Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. What's new, Jen? Well, I um, not many things are new. We should say up front, this is the second interview that I have conducted on my own. This <laughs> one is we solicited um, listener questions about perimenopause, and I got some very progressive, very smart menopause experts and you know, doctors, nurses to come on and answer your questions. So we'll be doing that in just a bit. But one thing that's been on my mind, I went to a party last wow. week. I know I went to a party, but wait, I went to a party where I knew no one, but the host. Oh, wow. Okay. Like it was definitely like a bringer party. Like I definitely should have had a plus one. Um, so I knew no one. I forgot how socially awkward those kinds of situations were. Also, no real drinking because I drove there mm-hmm. and no one else was really drinking because it's Los Angeles. Right. And so totally sober, sort of cold, like just like, ah, like literally <laughs> sat down in a group of people mid-conversation and was like, hey, <laughs> no way. Did you really? I did. I was like, hi, this is awkward, but I don't know anyone here. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> and were they nice? They were nice. They were they were super nice. It was it was a party of all novelists and te- Los Angeles novelists and television writers, which huh. was very unusual for me. I didn't know that many Los Angeles novelists existed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But the person whose apartment it was at, or the house it was at, I didn't know. And because I was feeling so awkward, I spent a lot of time alone in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And on her refrigerator, she had something. She had this beautiful and interesting refrigerator. You know how sometimes people just have a collection of shit that you just want to like stare at and pick apart on their refrigerator? I don't know. Yes. I'm fascinated by the fronts of people's refrigerators. Anyway, she had this, this thing, this card, this index card, where she had written something that I'd seen before but had not seen in a long time, which is something called the top five regrets of the dying Mm-hmm. And I took a picture of it and I've been thinking about it ever since. And I'm going, I'm going to share it with all of you now um, because I think it's a very useful thing to talk about and think about. Um, so number one is, do you want to hear this? or is this Of course. Hard? Okay. Number one is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Um, number three is I'd wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five is I wish that I had let myself be happier. Mm. Um, so I, I too am going to put these, these are, these have been collected. I've seen these around before. I think I've, you know, I've seen these around. These are collected from people who worked in hospice or people who worked with people who were dying and I'd seen them around before, but I think it's a good reminder 
because it's such a wild time right now and it can be really feel like a really dark time and it's easy to get wrapped up in things and 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 sort of lose your way of what's important and i've just been thinking a lot of like we've been talking about regret on the show over the course of many episodes and i've just been thinking oh okay what will i regret at the end and it is probably these things i you know i i wish i'd let myself be happier i wish i'd had more courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd kept in touch with friends, I think is a big one, you know? Yeah. So I, I've just been thinking about that a lot, not to be all corny at the beginning of this episode, but I've just been feeling, um, I've been feeling like that was, that was like sent to me for some reason at this odd little party I was at. And um, anyway, that that's what's on my mind. How about you? I don't know. I'm fine. You know, I'm mostly fine. <laughs> Is everything fine, Kim France? <laughs> everything is fine. Um, no, I'm I'm really fucking boring this week. I'm yeah. really fucking boring. I mean, I've been I've been out on tour. I'm still out on tour mm-hmm. with Paul and his students. Yeah, um, that's super fun. But it gets, um, you know, about three days in, you just want your own shower more what, than anything. What? Wait, what does that? What does that mean? Your own shower, like just like share. No, no, no. Like your home oh, shower. Oh, home shower. I don't no, I, your home shower. Yes, it's group showers here <laughs> with the teenagers. I was like, are you in a dorm? <laughs> like, um, are you watching anything while you're on tour? I've been watching Loot, which I told you that yes. a, a couple weeks ago, and I have decided that I, I definitively like that show. Okay, good, good. I think it's a good show with a big heart. Um, I, too, have been watching Bear the Bear. So good. He's so hot. Oh my God. He's so hot. I used to watch him in Shameless and he was young then, but I was like, I'm embarrassed that guy's so young, but he's so hot. But now he's a little older. So it's not as embarrassing. No, it's weird. It's weird to be that horny for a man, a man. (laughs) It's weird to be. (laughs) I'll just stop there. He's just like there. He just like he, the way they've styled him, he's exactly that dude. He's exactly that grimy chef dude, you know, that you just are like, I, you're, I want to fuck you and you're going to ruin my life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He's, he's just unspeakably sexy. I saw, I saw something somewhere. It was the cut or somewhere. There was an article about, um, about him and about that character and about this is the sexiest character we've ever seen or one of the sexiest characters ever who we never see have sex. Right. He never sex. He never kisses anybody. It's just him. It's just this, just like, he's just oozing it. Can I tell you who my also erotic fantasy is? <laughs> yes. Um, Nathan Fielder. Really? Oh my God. There's something about him in this new show, the rehearsal. I was just like looking at him and I'm like, are <laughs> you're just oozing sexuality to me. I don't know why. Cause he's such a dork. But I know also another like life ruiner. Yeah, he looks he yeah, I'm looking at him right now because I didn't even know who he was. Like an emotionally withholding. I mean, I have no yeah. idea. This is what I'm projecting, but like hot, smart, insulting, you know, like emotionally withholding, just like the whole thing. And like you're just like you're just following around like a puppy. It's like that Liz Fairline. Everything you say is so obnoxious, funny, true, and mean. I want to be your blowjob queen. Yes, that's exact. That's it. I want to be his blowjob queen for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's a really, really, I can't even explain it. Like everyone should just watch the rehearsal. It's unlike every, anything I've ever seen. It's so, so, so good. And it's kind of like going to blow your mind up. What's it about? So Oh my God. It's so hard to explain, but it's about difficult conversations. Nathan Fielder comes in and helps somebody have a difficult conversation with someone that they've been wanting to have for years. Oh, wow. And they rehearse it from every angle. They rehearse the conversation dozens of times, including they make a replica of the, they make a set of the space where the person's going to have the conversation. So if it's a bar, they consider everything that could go wrong. Oh, the bartender is going to ask you if you want another drink here. What, how are you going to respond? They rehearse, they rehearse it in, in many different scenarios 
like dozens of times. And then they show the person having the actual conversation. And it's, it's hard to explain the effect of this, but it's profound because they've thought out every way the other person can respond and all of the variables. And it Mm -hmm. turns out that things kind of happen exactly how they expected. Hmm. So it makes you feel like anything in life is you can manipulate anything in life. Um, It's, it's, it's really, it's just really an interesting show. So about human behavior. What's it on? um, Oh shit. That's, that's the thing I'm supposed to know when we talk about show. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes, which we now have. (laughs) All right. Well, what else? I don't know. We've been talking for a while, though. Maybe it's time to get into it. All right. Yeah, we could just get into this episode. And then next week, we will be um, we will be back. The two of us will be back um, together. Oh, it's HBO. The rehearsal's on HBO. Awesome. Next week, we will be back. The two of us will be back together. Um, have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Our guests today are Dr. Claudia Levine and nurse practitioner Kate McLaughlin, who are the founders of Menopause Jewelbox, an online resource that provides education, vetted resources, and support to those entering and in the middle of the menopause transition. Welcome, Claudia and Kate. Thank you so much for being here. And if you could, since there are two of you, could you introduce yourselves to the audience? Hi, so lovely to be here. I am Claudia Levine. Thanks for having us. I'm Kate McLaughlin. Excellent. Um, I want the two of you to tell us about Menopause Jewel Box, what it is and how it started, why, you know, why you started it up and when. So we started when I started to experience very unexpected and at times really concerning sensations in my own body. I was about 45 I had been a primary care physician for a very long time. I was taking care of people in perimenopause and menopause, thinking that I knew what I was doing. And then when my body started to experience things that were super unfamiliar and didn't follow the script of perimenopause that I had been taught in medical school, I spent about six months being super uncomfortable and talked to Kate about it, my trusted friend and colleague, talked to other medical friends about it. And then had this aha moment when I went to my nurse practitioner for my routine pap and she started asking me questions and she's like, oh, you're in perimenopause. And I thought, wow, yeah, I am in perimenopause and I did not make this connection and that's a problem and I need to learn more and I need to become a menopause expert. And I said to Kate, let's become menopause experts and let's do this piece of education better because education is really the foundation. When we know what to expect, it takes away the discomfort of not knowing and the fear of what is happening to my body. So that foundational education was so important. And then Kate and I really wanted to create very comprehensive and vetted resources through the lens of our medical expertise and experience caring for women and being in hormonal flux ourselves. So that is what we really set out to do is to educate and connect to resources and then build supportive community around this experience for anybody who needed it. What kinds of things does Menopause Jewel Box do? Tell what what do you do there? What will I find? I'm just a I'm just a person in perimenopause. What will I find there? <laughs> so we started out by offering workshops. Um, When we started, we imagined they would all be cozy in-person workshops in people's living rooms, and then the pandemic hit. And so that, um, that, that gave us it, one of the, one of, one of the upsides was that it did give us a lot more reach. So we started doing online um, Zoom workshops that where we could include a much broader group of women. So we got friends together to schedule in uh, schedule these workshops. Um, friends of each other or connected. We right. called that people's menopauses. Um, and and so then we would sit down and give both our prepared information and also answer questions. So that's how we started. We are currently not doing workshops unless people reach out to us um, individually. We don't have them scheduled because we are rolling out, we're working on rolling out an exciting new offering um, that we're calling Posology. 
which is an online web-based course um, to really give people as much of this information as possible. And so that's what we're working on right now. I just wanted to add that sort of it's the educational piece. So what to expect, what, right. what's the timing, the physiology of this experience so that you know that going over the most common symptoms and some less common symptoms so that you understand if you have heart palpitations, that could very well be in the realm of your perimenopause experience, having a really comprehensive approach to resources. So things that we do as traditional Western medical providers, and then also recognizing there's so many other people out there doing great things. So really highlighting that other work and then helping people navigate the healthcare system. So a big part of the work we wanted to do was to not leave the system, but work within it so that people could learn what they needed to know, understand how to partner best with their healthcare provider, everything from how do I get the medication I need? What referrals are covered by my insurance? How do I really optimize my care with my providers? How do I prepare for a visit? What do I do after the visit? How do I communicate effectively so that we could, we could improve the healthcare system versus taking people out of the system in an adjacent or parallel system. We really felt passionate about the mission of keeping people in the system, making the system better um, and helping people navigate it. Yeah, I was, I'm still shocked that only about 20% of OBGYN residency programs include menopause training, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, why do you think, it, it just seems like there's still so much mystery around perimenopause why, why do you think this is? It, it's very frustrating for a person going through it because it's very it's pretty severe what happens to our bodies. It can be, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this is a multi-pronged... There, there, are, many, there are many answers to this question. I think um, given our po- current political climate and you know, what just happened um, with Roe v. Wade being overturned, it just really puts into context like what what the sort of cultural value is on, on women's health and women's bodies. And so I think that's, I think that's the culture we're living in, in a large part um, that influences on it. I mean, there is quite a bit of information out there. So it's not that all of perimenopause and menopause is a mystery. It's that there is a a de-emphasis on it. I think there is a cultural element of how, um, how women are valued and how, you know, women are valued past their reproductive years um, and the way women are valued and the role they play in society as they age. And obviously, we here all know that we continue to get better as we age, that we are more powerful, we're more knowledgeable, we may be like hitting our strides in our careers, we are likely to be wiser and more grounded. Um, But I think that that is not really emphasized in the culture and the culture pervades our educational systems and individual influences, individual people's values. Right. Right. Um, what are the most common symptoms of perimenopause that might not be immediately recognizable as symptoms of perimenopause? Like what are the, cause I feel like first off, I don't think that many of us knew, even knew what the word was perimenopause until we hit it. Right. And then these early symptoms are common symptoms that people just have no idea. You know, I might have a dizzy spell or, you know. So the most common symptoms of perimenopause are changes in our menstrual cycle and what we call vasomotor symptoms or hot flashes or night sweats. Other ones that are very common are mood changes, sleep difficulty, cognitive stuff, which we call brain fog, so memory, concentration. Um, Those are the most common ones. Weight gain becomes common around this time. It's not all hormonal, but that happens as well. So shifts in our body size and shape, shifts in our skin and our hair. So dryness is that typical thing that people talk about. But anything from change in texture, um, in our hair, change in even texture, just our complexion in general, that can all shift. Changes in our vulvas and vaginas. So inside is the vagina, outside is the vulva. Those are the most common ones that I think get the most press and the most talk. But the more subtle ones become things like just feeling off. Like, I just don't feel like myself. My body feels unfamiliar to me. That's a really common thing that we hear. 
and that we experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's more general stuff like fatigue. And again, that's not always hormones, but it can be. Sometimes digestive digestive issues come up. So like new bloating, just new changes in how we're pooping, changes in how we're tolerating food, um, joint pain, muscle sort of achiness. Um, Those are all things that can arise. And then things you'll read about when you go and you look at like the 32 or the 100 symptoms of menopause, which personally, I don't, I think that's not super helpful because I think that it gets, it's almost in that scare tactic mode of all this stuff is going to happen. It's going to be terrible and you're not going to be able to manage it, but almost anything that you're feeling that is new and new for you, if you're in this time of life and typically that's starting in your late thirties to early forties, that's worth checking out. And that's worth asking the question, is this my hormones or is it something else? And partnering with a healthcare provider, if anything is coming up that's concerning to you. And if they brush you off, pushing back and saying, hey, I'm experiencing this and I need you to help me and partner with me to explore why I'm feeling this way because it's making me uncomfortable. So what, what should be, you be advocating for in this, in these initial conversations? And we could talk about what happens later, but that initial moment where you're like, I don't know, man, something feels not, something feels not right. The first thing we would really recommend doing, it doesn't have to be before you talk to your provider at all. Hey, Kate. Is, <laughs> what? I said, say it, Kate. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So we really recommend that you start tracking your symptoms Um, because as a healthcare provider, when people come in and say, I just feel weird, it's hard for us to figure out how to help them most of the time. And it's very unsatisfying as a patient. And I think all of us, even healthcare providers have been the patient that goes in and has the provider go back and say, I need more information um, before I can help you. So, so if you, you know, starting tracking now, um, even, or, you know, now for everybody, but even before you start having significant symptoms can be very useful because then you, um, you have, you have uh, that longitudinal data over time where you can see things change. And so when we're talking about what we're tracking, you want to track your period. If you have one you have one. Um, you can track your mood and then you can track, you can track hot flashes if you have them. And then you can track the other weird stuff that's happening to you. And there are a lot of apps, um, that are geared specifically towards Mary perimenopause. Um, the balance app is a really great one. There's my sisters. Um, but you can also, you can also use, you know, something that you create for yourself in a Google sheet. You can print yourself out a spreadsheet if you're more comfortable with paper and pencil. And there are some really good um, paper-based tracking sheets that you can get off of a few different websites that we can talk about that have all of the various symptoms that you can then keep track of. You can say, oh, I didn't even realize that was a thing, but turns out it is. And I'm going to, that is happening to me and I'm going to pay attention to it. Um, when you go and see your provider, whether or not you've tracked, if there's something that's really concerning you, you should go and talk to your healthcare provider about it. Um, and because there are things that are not perimenopause that can cause most of these symptoms. And so, so when you go in, you might say like, I think I'm in perimenopause, but can you help me rule out other things that are going on? So that's really the thing when you go in and talk to your provider, you want to say like, these are the symptoms I'm having. Can you help me figure out if there's something I should worry about or if it's hormone change? And that's really what you want to do. We often, I think most of us, I mean, I know Claudia and I are asked this all the time. And I think that it's a very common impulse to say like, can you check my hormone levels and tell me where I am? And the the challenge with that is that during this phase of life, our hormone levels, this is a good visual, but <laughs> since we're online, our, 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 you know, and during, during our, our reproductive years, the years where, you know, we can potentially get pregnant, our, um, our hormone levels are at a our higher level, our estrogen levels. And then as we cycle, they go on a sort of regular up and down wave pattern. As we enter perimenopause, there is a, gra- there is a decline between the reproductive age hormone levels and the postmenopausal hormone levels. But instead of a gentle wave pattern, it's sort of like you go on a roller coaster ride through that period. And so if you check your hormones 
at any given time, that one, that's a snapshot, which, you know, that snapshot is unlikely to be useful, but it feels, it can be gratifying for some people just to have that done. But it, it doesn't predict anything, unfortunately. Um, it might be wildly different if you checked it in three days or a month or three months. It, it's likely going up and down during that time. And so it isn't really helpful because we treat your symptoms based on your symptoms, not on your hormones. So there isn't this objective level that we want to return you to. Um, to, to, to make you feel better. We, when we approach treatment, we really approach treatment based on helping people feel better instead of returning them to some arbitrary laboratory value. Okay. So, okay. So you're leading me into the, the next thing I want to talk about, which is treatment, hormone replacement therapy, black co-wash, raspberry tea. I don't fucking know. <laughs> That's my that's the conversation, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a Google search. Well, I mean, right? Because because if we're if we can't, I don't understand how hor- hormone replacement therapy is supposed to work during perimenopause. If our if my hormones are up and down like a roller coaster, how am I supposed to get to a, a sort of like stasis? You know, where I feel imbalance. Um, so I, I'd love just. Let's just start there with hormone replacement therapy, but then there are many more. That is a great question of, are, is hormone therapy as helpful in perimenopause versus after menopause or postmenopause? And the answer is we don't really know, but we definitely can consider hormones in perimenopause. And sometimes we consider them differently, but they're definitely an option worth exploring for certain things, particularly for bleeding changes. They're great at managing heavy bleeding and irregular bleeding. So that is definitely one perimenopausal symptom that hormones can address well. They also can be helpful in perimenopause and usually more toward the later perimenopausal phase where your hormones are really kind of settling down closer to that new normal that they will hit in your postmenopausal years and they're not doing this as much. And that is sometimes hard to tell, am I in early, mid, late perimenopause? But if you've tracked your symptoms when they start, you know, on average, perimenopause is about between four and eight years, some people shorter, some people longer, which is a hard response to a question. But if you're tracking and you're like really clear, my mood is terrible before my cycle, you could consider using estrogen for a couple of days to a week before you bleed. And that can be really helpful. It's not the way you would use estrogen after menopause, but it's a way to use it in perimenopause. Same thing for things like headaches, which are also a symptom that can really crop up or be exacerbated during that time. Um, Also for sometimes for mood. Um, So that's when we can use it in perimenopause, but it's usually for bleeding, the hot flashes and night sweats, and that can be used in perimenopause and definitely after menopause, the mood and sleep, if they are linked to hot flashes and night sweats, more likely to be helpful, both in perimenopause and early postmenopause. So sleep and mood, the studies that look at how helpful they are, they tend to be more helpful around the later perimenopausal years into early menopause, but not so much later. So mood and sleep a little bit harder, but it, if it works for you, it works for you. So it's not like you should not consider it, but it might not be as helpful. They're most helpful for bleeding and hot flashes. And they are the most effective treatment for hot flashes, hands down, um, compared to placebo, which is when you're taking an intervention that doesn't have an active ingredient in it. And placebos are also super helpful for hot flashes. We know from studies that placebos can reduce hot flashes up to 50% in some people, which is kind of phenomenal um, and speaks to like the magic of our bodies in general. What you mean something that has nothing in it could reduce my hot flashes by 50% just because I'm thinking that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And even when you know it doesn't have any active ingredient in it, it still can work. That's the amazing phenomena of the placebo effect. That there are forces in our body that we don't really understand that lead to us feeling better physically and psychologically. Let's take a quick break from some ads. 
a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Okay. So we're on the, we're talking about hormone uh, therapy. There's a lot of confusion around it. A lot of fear. There's a lot of like boogeyman, like, you know, oh, it causes Alzheimer's, you know, that's going to be the end. What, what's, what should be our, what should we be thinking about hormone? I know it's not for everyone, but what should we be thinking about it? So I want to, I think Claudia and I are both going to have a few things to say about this. Okay. Question. Excellent. It's a huge topic. Yes, yes it of is course. The take home message is that hormones, not everyone needs to take hormones. And we actually call it hormone therapy now instead of hormone replacement therapy, Okay. because we don't need to have the idea that we, that we're deficient in some way. This is a, this is a, this is an expected process. And for some people it's very intense and for some people it's not. And we have very individual, individual responses and management to it. So um, the take home message is that Hormones are safe and effective for most people. And, you know, there are some specific exceptions um, around, you know, people who've had breast cancer um, and people who have particular clotting disorders. In perimenopause, I want to say specifically, many people, people who are having sex with someone who makes sperm can potentially get pregnant and, and, and contraception is still recommended for people if they are no longer, um, if they're continuing to menstruate, even though the risk is lower as we get older. Uh, and 
And hormonal contraceptives like the birth control pill is typically what we prescribe to people during perimenopause. And it is it has been found to be safe for people, you know, up until 50 and beyond. Um, and so so there's there's a lot of data that supports its safety in use. I think there are a lot of people who there are a lot of um, sort of integrative approaches that have a different view of the body and understand that interaction differently. But from our Western medicine perspective, and there's a lot of data that supports it, it's quite safe. And the recommendation for hormones is starting them, you know, before the age of 60 and within 10 years of menopause. And in that in that age group, there are very small increases in risks for things like blood clots. Um, I don't know if you have the numbers up too, because that grid is always really helpful. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're small and they're, they're hard to very, put in. They're very small. Other than saying they're small. Blood clots, breast cancer. You know, it's it's within like a, a few per thousand women over five years. And so it's not to say it's nothing and we're not saying that everyone should take them, but we're saying the risks are low and it's worth looking at what the risks are and examining your own risk tolerance and how comfortable you feel with something like that um, and weighing that against um, other options. Because every choosing not to take hormones is also, you know, choosing it is choosing to do something. And you might say, you know, I don't want to do that because I don't think it's safe. But if your sleep is really terrible and you know, because of your hot flashes and a hormonal intervention helps you sleep. There are a lot of health benefits to having better sleep. So I think really hashing that out with what your own provider can be very helpful. And because it's really confusing, I think a helpful summary for people is earlier use is better. So closer to the time of menopause in late perimenopause, if needed, the real indications or the real clear benefits from hormone with estrogen. And if you have a uterus, you take estrogen with progesterone. If you don't have a uterus, you can take estrogen alone. And estrogen is the driver behind most symptom relief. Progesterone helps some things as well, but it's primarily the estrogen that's providing symptom relief. So in perimenopause, we can think about it for bleeding and contraception. We can think about it for really intense hot flashes and night sweats. We can think about it for mood and sleep impacted by hot flashes and night sweats. And then for, for everyone, we can think about it for vaginal dryness and irritation and vulvar dryness and irritation. And that's called the genitourinary symptoms of menopause is the technical term, but estrogen is very helpful for that. And those are really the symptoms that we use it for. And then we also can use it for bone health. That's another important thing for people to know about it. It's very good for our bones. It's not used just for bone health alone without symptoms, but it can definitely benefit people who are at higher risk of losing bone density or osteopenia or porosis. And that's another thing that's important to know about estrogen is how helpful it can be for bone health. And then the take-homes about risk are we know when we use it earlier, before 60, within 10 years of menopause, that the risk of breast cancer, the risk of heart disease, the risk of stroke or blood clots is still relatively low. And that needs to be assessed with your provider as an individual. What are my risks and what can I use? And for also importantly, women with a history of breast cancer, they may not choose or be able to use a systemic estrogen, meaning an estrogen that circulates widely throughout our body and intercept, interacts with estrogen receptors throughout our whole body, but they can almost always use a locally acting estrogen inside the vagina and on the vulva to help with those symptoms of dryness and irritation. So that's kind of a summary. There are people out there who prescribe hormones just to make you feel better. That's not necessarily unsafe, but there's not a ton of data out there to say that if you don't have the symptoms that we just talked about, that you are going to feel markedly better if you take hormones. And it is a medication. It's something you're putting in your body. And menopause is not an illness that we need to treat. So it should be a real individual decision with a with anyone between themselves, their providers, in sussing out how they're feeling, what symptoms they have, how bothersome their symptoms are, and whether they want to consider hormones. Because they're not the only option. But for the things we just talked about, they're really a good option to know about and then decide if it's right for you or not. That's such an amazing and comprehensive answer. And I think it clears up 
so much confusion. So thank you. Thank you for that. What are other treatment options that are not hormone related? Because obviously we're all getting inundated with like, you know, oil of, you know, whatever, like we're just getting, you know, my, my mom used this, my friend, Nancy used the, you know, it doesn't, I, I have so many things thrown my way. So, so I'd love to know what you actually think is useful for women at this time. Some women, and obviously we know you're not speaking to a specific, specific person, not women, anyone with uterus, we're speaking to, um, generally broadly. Yeah. And I think that's important too. We use the term, we are really gender neutral in our language because it's really important to be, because we don't, we don't all identify as women, but anybody who has ovaries and a uterus at birth, whether you have your ovary, whether you have your uterus or not, when you reach this time of life, but if you're born with ovaries and a uterus, you're going to go through this hormonal shift if you get to this age. And so we really are speaking to everybody with that biology. And and Kate will talk about our approach, but we really think broadly. We are not just thinking about hormones when we're thinking about how to help people find symptom relief. Yeah, so Kate. So I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> pulling on my list to make sure I don't miss anything when we're talking about it. So there are, we, we, so the, we have framed our, um, our approach in a couple of, there are several things that we think you can try and that everyone should, should approach. So the first, the first one is always lifestyle. So really looking, really making sure you're optimizing your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, your meditation, your connection, your community. Because I think also something that goes along with this time of life is that we um, we often have a lot going on and are, are, we often have a lot of responsibilities between work and personal relationships and financial strain and, you know, Sometimes we're the sandwich generation. And so many times we're not optimizing those things. And all we there's lots of evidence that shows that, you know, having a regular exercise routine, eating a, a Mediterranean diet, um, which, you know, nutrition is extremely complex. So we won't go into it in too much detail on this. Um, meditate, meditating 10 minutes daily. Um, all of all of those things can really improve symptoms in a significant way. We also we also recommend thinking about um, some supplements can be helpful, um, and I won't go into the supplement list in this moment. I'll take a pause to make sure I list the right ones. Um, and do you want to jump in, Claudia, with the rest of our? I think the I think the lifestyle piece is a really important one to focus on because it's how we care for ourselves. And we're entering into this time when how we care for ourselves is so foundational to how we feel and also setting us up for this next phase of our lives. And it's a reflection of how we're caring for ourselves. So when we talk about lifestyle, like Kate said, we're talking about so exercise, our, how we're moving our bodies. There are minimum requirements for exercise. We could talk about that, but mostly moving regularly. And thinking both about aerobic exercise and strength training, because strength training is also key. We are losing muscle mass as we enter this time of life. Some of that's related to hormones, but a lot of it's not. And that's super key to maintain our strength. And how we choose to do that is individual. So what we like to do for aerobic exercise or strength training doesn't matter as long as you're doing it regularly. We also think about flexibility and balance because those things are really important as we get older, particularly for things like fall risk and bone health. So we definitely want to incorporate all those aspects into the way that we exercise. And then the nutrition piece, like Kate said, this Mediterranean style of eating, which really focuses on fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean animal protein like chicken and fish, just less processed packaged food, more food that we make at home. And that's also dependent on our access and our resources. Not all of us have access to like beautiful Californian produce or have the, the funds to feed ourselves in that way, but as much as we can. And then sleep, like Kate said, is essential. That's a huge topic. We could talk about that another time, but it's too it's huge to talk about now. And then this mindfulness piece. So how we are slowing down, checking in, getting our brains to take a break and to sort of shift. That's a key practice to develop if you don't already have one. 
And then the realm of self-care, which is really how we nourish ourselves. And that also looks different for everyone. My personal self-care is chocolate every night, dark chocolate every night. Or when I'm working in clinic and I'm stressed out, I pop a piece of chocolate into my mouth and I feel better. (laughs) And then the community piece, like we created this concept of the menopause because we recognized how important it was to support and nourish ourselves with community. So lifestyle is huge. And that's something we talk about throughout the pausology course and that we really advocate for in our own practice with our patients one-on-one and for anybody going through this phase of life and for the rest of their lives. Right. Do you, and I want to get back to the supplements in a second, but I, I wonder about, and I, I'm obviously, I don't know that much about medicine or anything, but it feels to me that menopause is an inflammatory state to some degree. I mean, I feel certainly inflamed and I notice that in my own experience, there are triggers that are, that make things worse, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, and there are also, if you look at them, things that are inflammatory foods, right? Have you seen any correlation? And, and this is so, and, and by the way, I mean, our, our listeners hate this because they're, they're like, we feel deprived. Why, you know, why is it never give up oatmeal? You know, like it's- You just eat chocolate every day. <laughs> I know, I know. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Have you found that there is a correlation between the two or is, is that's just a, a wild thing that I've said? I mean, I've seen, you know, oh, never drink coffee. You won't have hot flashes. I, I don't know. No. Okay, good. You're both shaking your heads. No. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think Western medicine thinks about inflammation differently than some other integrative practices do. Um, so I, so I think that that's just one thing to throw out there that different, different, you know, different modalities think about, think about the body in different ways. Um, and in terms of, I think when, I think a lot of us associate like feeling hot with feeling inflamed because inflammation is associated with feeling hot. And a lot of us feel really hot and uncomfortable, um, when we're in perimenopause periodically. And so that isn't to say that there isn't inflammation going on in your body from something else. Um, and, and many times like this is a time of life. It's important to remember that we are oftentimes other chronic diseases crop up or chronic diseases that we have get worse and that it may not at all be related to our perimenopause. It may be related to the age that we are and and where we are in our lives. So I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind. And we do not advocate like strict abstinence from anything. Um, That's not really our approach. We, We know that people need to take a really individualized approach most of the time to for what works for them. And then also, I mean, if you know, you, you can kind of figure it out. There's a list of, there are widely available lists of potential hot flash triggers, for example. Um, and you can just, again, with our tracking that we mentioned earlier, you can figure out what what's a trigger for you. What are the things that give you a hot flash? And then you can decide, is it worth it to me to have that glass of wine? Because you know, I, I like, and it may be, it may be that glass of wine is going to make you have hot flashes later, but it may be that that is totally worth it to you. And that's fine. Um, we do, alcohol can be kind of a sticky subject. Um, and, you know, we know that there are parameters in which, um, in which it can cause, it definitely causes more health problems later on. So I don't want to be f- too flip about alcohol in general, but um, we're not recommending strict abstinence from everything. We, we, I think we, Claudia and I both know what it is to, to feel deprived and be to, told repeatedly that you, there are lots of things you can't do. Um, and in reality, we really are all different. So I think it goes back to paying attention. Right. So recognizing for yourself, I eat that and I feel that way. I do that and I feel that way. And then like Kate said, making choices about what we want to do. But the idea that menopause is inflammatory, I think it's a lang- a bit of a language question. We don't mm-hmm. use that language in, in our practice, but that doesn't mean that there isn't inflammation in your body. We don't know. And it doesn't really matter because if you feel crappy or inflamed or whatever word you want to use, you want to figure out why. And getting curious about your own body and how it responds to things is really what I am most interested in when I'm talking to someone. And what I really do for myself and what I try to get other people to do, get curious about the things 
that you're doing, get curious about what makes you feel great. Get curious about what makes you feel crappy and then make choices. And sometimes your choices, like Kate said, are, I want to drink that glass of wine and maybe I'll feel a little crappy in the morning, but it's worth it because that wine makes me feel good in another way. And it is about balance and it's about choice and it's about taking the time to get to know ourselves and figure out what works for us and what doesn't. What do you, what would you tell someone who's feeling debilitated mentally, memories, feeling like, because that can be scary, you know, the mm-hmm. brain fog, but also the memory loss and the lack of recall. Mm-hmm. Is this a temporary state? You know, how do, is this, I guess that's my larger question. Is this a temporary state, but then also how, how to deal with that in the day to day? I will say that perimenopause is a discrete time of life and early menopause is a discrete time of life. And I see this a lot because I think it really illustrates the point. In my practice, I take care of a lot of people 65 and older. It makes up the bulk of the people that I care for in my clinical practice. No one's talking about menopause anymore because they're, they're through it. They're in this new phase of their life. And that to me is the best predictor of this reality that this is a transitional time. It's a time of upheaval for some of us, but it settles because our hormones will, will settle into this new balance and our bodies will acclimate to that. Whether we choose to take hormone therapy or not, we're not getting our hormones back up to that pre-level, even if we use hormone therapy. So we're going to settle into a new balance. So many symptoms we do know. So cognitive function or brain fog it may not improve, but we learn how to work around it and it does not become as disruptive for most of us. So it may not get better to the point where our mental processing feels like it did when we were in our 30s or 40s, but we get used to it and we figure out how to to do our job and live our lives and make it work. Mood studies show really does settle. So that perimenopausal, early menopause, big time for mood to fluctuate. Hot flashes and night sweats, they tend to settle a little bit later, but they settle as well. So most symptoms of menopause and perimenopause will settle with time. So it's important to remember that like this does not last forever for most of us. There are a few outliers, but most of us are not outliers in that regard. Right. Do you recommend cannabis to help with symptoms? (laughs) there isn't there is very so one of the things that we do at jewel boxes is we work really hard to make um as much as we can recommendations based on current data and because cannabis has um been restricted by the government for study there is very little data we do know that it can be helpful you know, there's there's some data, data that suggests it can be helpful for sleep, um, helpful for mood, um, but nothing robust. So there there are some specific perimenopause products. Like there's there's a vaginal suppository called Hello Again, um, which um, works. It provides both moisture and um, some people find relief for some of their other perimenopause symptoms. Um, and some people find it useful for sleep, but we we just we don't really we don't really know how we don't really have great data around it. What we do say is that if you're going to use it, um, you should get it from a reputable source and avoid smoking or vaping it because we know that both of those definitely have negative health impacts. Um, and then also being aware of you know, your relationship to substances, both alcohol and cannabis, you know, how often you're using them, why you're using them, are you using them to avoid something else that's going on? Are they impacting other um, things that you, are they interfering with your life in other ways, Um, either relationships or your work, or like your ability to engage in other behaviors that would actually be better for you? Like, you know, would, would you take a walk if you weren't like a little bit high? Um, so I think that those really sussing out those, I know that's a pretty unsatisfying answer. Um, (laughs) no, it's, it's, it's useful. It's useful. (laughs) Claudia, what were you going to (laughs) say? 
I was going to, I find I'm fascinated by cannabis. I think it's really interesting. I'm really excited that we're moving into a realm where there is going to be more research. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited as a healthcare provider and as a human, I think it's a medicinal plant that clearly has power medicinally. We just don't really know as much about it as we would like to. And there are thousands of studies on cannabis And the fact that they don't really align into a more cohesive understanding really speaks to the fact that we just have not been able to study it because it's been so regulated. We are practicing in California where it's legal. Um, We can't prescribe it um, and we don't prescribe it. But I do see people all the time. And again, I, I do similarly to Kate. I'm like, tell me why you're using, what's your relationship to it? And if, if those, if the answers to that seem healthy, And that's subjective, but if there's no red flag and you can really honestly say, I think my relationship to it feels okay and it's helping me sleep or it's helping my mood and it's really good for pain. So the things that it's been clearly studied and shown to benefit is pain um, and, you know, nausea related to chemotherapy. Um, Those are the big, big studies around it. It's also been studied for things like seizures and, um, for sleep and mood, but to a lesser extent. And there are probably other things that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Um, But it's hard for us to be like, cannabis is going to make everything better. Right. Um, Yeah, but, but, but you can, but you can take an edible if it's, if it's making you feel good. And you maybe you want to take it and go for a walk. I don't know. You can, Jen. You can yeah. take it if it's yeah. I, I believe me. I I'm full. I I have experience in <laughs> also in California. Um, before we go though, I do want to know what I do want to know what you do recommend. Just sort of when you just you, what you recommend most often that's not hormone therapy. I want to make sure that we just talk about that a little bit, just because I said. Maca, I don't know. Like what what could it be? In terms of in terms of supplements, I yeah. will say we in our recommendations, we really narrowed it down to things that had studies that showed things were better than placebo. So they're performing better than an inactive supplement. And so a summary of that would be for hot flashes, a supplement called S E call. There are different brands and we do make recommendations based on things that have been studied and have, you know, good manufacturing and safety practices, but SE call black cohosh plus St. John's wort. So black cohosh alone versus black cohosh plus St. John's wort. The studies look better for black cohosh plus St. John's wort for both hot flashes and mood. So that's important to know about. And then generally for some people, increasing isoflavone content in food. So primarily tofu-based foods. For some people, if they have the digestive enzyme that can break that down into an active kind of compound that can interact with estrogen receptors, that's helpful for some people. Um, So that's for hot flashes. Um, For sleep, we talk about things like magnesium and melatonin. Um, Cannabis is harder to sort of say take cannabis for sleep, but many of our patients do. And if they say it's helpful, then as long as, again, there aren't red flags or there's concern about why it's being used, then people continue to do that. I'm thinking about other, for, for bone health, you know, calcium and vitamin D are really, really important. And we talk about that with our patients regularly. Um, Rhubarb extract. Rhubarb, that's a, there's another, sorry. Yeah. There's another um, rhubarb extract a Siberian rhubarb extract that's been studied and shown to perform better than placebo for hot flashes. Um, and then for mood, again, the St. John's wort, that's something that we talk about for mood. And then for sexual health, there are a few botanicals that basically can help, the theory is help increase blood flow to our genitals and particularly our, our clitoris. Um, and there's they're called Arjamax. And the other one I am, my brain fog is preventing me from remembering. Um, <laughs> So those are the big ones um, that we talk about in our in our pathology course and that we talk about in our clinical practice. Quick thing with about St. John's wort is if someone is already taking um, a medication for anxiety or depression, like in, that falls into the category of an SSRI, there can be some interaction. And so it's really when you are taking a supplement, it's a really good idea to check in 
with your healthcare provider first, just to make sure that they're aren't any other um, interactions between them because I mean, all of, all of these plant medicines are also potent medicine, uh, they're potent medicine and they can interact with other medications a person may be taking. Super helpful. I feel like I hit all the major ones that we talk about with evidence behind them and ours are not exhaustive. I think it's really important too. If you want to work with someone who's an expert in the field, you want to work with an herbalist or someone who uses, you know, supplements regularly. Great. If, if you're working with someone who has more knowledge and can guide you in that process, we support that. As long as you're just making sure there's no interaction with any medication you take, that that can be an approach that, that many people choose over pharmaceuticals like hormone therapy. One thing we haven't mentioned is just working with a variety of providers is something that we think is really important. So hypnosis has actually really has some evidence that it can be helpful for hot flashes, um, which is interesting. Working with an acupuncturist or a naturopath can be very, very helpful. Um, and so we, and we have, and also if, if someone is having any sexual health issues, um, incontinence is something that can often come up around this time. And um, pelvic floor physical therapy can be very, very helpful for issues related to pelvic floor health, incontinence, pain with sex, um, and is really underutilized. So I just want to shout out to all the pelvic floor physical therapists out there. And also cognitive behavioral therapy has been studied and, and there are studies that show it's helpful for hot flashes and night sweats, as well as for mood and sleep. So that's another realm of care that we talk about a lot. And that is often something that's covered if you get a referral. Um, by your insurance. So those are things to know about, again, how you can best navigate the healthcare system and get what you need. This has been so amazing. I'm so grateful to the two of you. I feel like I learned so much. I am sweating as we're talking, but I'm like, so I'm so grateful to you. So where can listeners find you both? So we are in the we're really deep in the pausology course creation. So there's a little bit of upheaval with our site and things like that. But the best way to reach us is checking out our website as is, which is uh, menopausejewelbox.com or emailing us at hello at menopausejewelbox.com. And we're always happy. We love hearing what people are up to, what questions they have. It helps inform the work that we do. So please reach out, send us an email. We love connecting people with the resources that they need that they don't know about. And we also want people to know about the Pausology course. So when it is available, people can access that and benefit from that as well. Get on our mailing list, which is which you can do at our um, at our website. And then you will be the first to know when it's when it's ready to be rolled out. I can't wait. I really, I can't wait. I just feel like the, the, this really is a situation where the more we know, the better it gets because then it's not like, oh, it's a surprise. <laughs> it's just, Definitely. <laughs> if we could take away the surprise, we could take away so much discomfort. And that is truly at the root of what we're trying to do. Don't, don't be surprised. There's no reason to be surprised. Yeah. Thank you so much, both of you. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Our pleasure. You are so welcome. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. If you want to support the show, we have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We are on Instagram at EIF podcast. We're on Twitter. We have a private Facebook group. If you want to email us, where everything is fine, the podcast at gmail.com. You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com, and you can find me at tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. And the show is mixed and produced by Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. We'll see you next week. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.